Hey, hi, I'm Bonnie. Welcome to this podcast, Make Joy Normal, where we chat about homeschooling and family life. With my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, we address your questions and topics in a way that can create more joy in our lives. Please submit any questions you have by email or voice message in the links in the show notes. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend, like, or leave us a review. That's how we get the word out. Thanks for trying to make joy normal in your own Good afternoon, Elizabeth, and good afternoon to all our listeners. This is pretty exciting because Elizabeth and I haven't spoken since, what, early October, probably? Yeah. 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 And uh, all those pre-recorded episodes and whatnot, which was great, but uh, but this is so much better. (laughs) Right. To everybody else, we probably spoke like just a couple weeks ago. I know. Yeah. (laughs) So so I missed you, and I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) I love seeing all your updates from your travels, though, and all the pictures. Well, it's funny, you know, because I, I did that because um, because I wanted to remember it. Now, our previous trips, I blogged them, right? And I have a separate blog for our different trips, uh, which was, was really fun, but also quite time consuming, where Instagram's so easy and it's all just from my phone. So I thought, okay, well, this will be a great way to, you know, just remember what we did and our travels and whatnot. But I ended up having a whole bunch of like new followers because of it, which was funny. <laughs> really, I'm not that interesting. <laughs> you are people very know me, maybe, but <laughs> uh, it was super fun. But it was good to come home, and uh, and here we are, you know. So, yeah. Yeah. And did you have a good Christmas? I mean, Christmas, I guess, is kind of officially over for us now. I right? guess, yeah, yeah. We had a beautiful Christmas, so we got home just a few days before Advent started. And we just jumped in with both feet. We thought, you know what, let's really do this. And I was really convinced. I did a, an episode when I got back uh, with Michael Foley. So that was the one episode I've done since we returned from our trip besides this one. And because he has a new book out and I thought, you know, that would be great. And, he, and we got talking about the 12 days of Christmas. And so we really decided that this year we would really make a point of having some sort of celebration for every day of Christmas and some were big things and some were small things, but it was really fun. And it also felt like, okay, now I can just put Christmas away and feel good about it. Right. Okay. It's so funny because, okay, so it's January 10th when we're recording and our Christmas tree is still up. Yeah. Ours is too. Yeah. Yay. Go us. (laughs) Go us. We put it out quite late uh, because we usually wait until kids are home from university before we put the tree up. But yeah, it also looks really fresh. So we thought, well, let's just keep it up. So, but I think it comes down tomorrow. Yeah. We, we took all the ornaments off today and it'll probably go out tomorrow or the next day. But um, I just, this was the kind of the first year where I thought I'm not ready to put it away. Most years it's like, I want my living room back because- I get a really like full tree. Like I like them full. It's an eight foot tree, huge, and it takes up most of the living space. And so usually I get to a point where it's like, it's time to go. But this year, surprisingly, I don't want to put it away. (laughs) So funny, eh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm usually, it was not dragging my feet so much as well, but, but, um, yeah, it just felt right. But we were doc- talking about it this morning. But yeah, maybe it has to. It's time, you know, because yeah. Lent is right around the corners. <laughs> right. So my mom sent this to me. So maybe some of our listeners know this. But if you cut off a couple like sprigs from your if you have a real Christmas tree yeah, and put it in. I did a glass um, milk bottle and then I just filled it with vinegar. You can make disinfectant spray. What? So. 
I am going to try it out. We'll okay. see how it goes. Let, but... me, let us know next episode. Tell us. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because I guess they're like with vinegar and the pine, there's something, the combination is really good disinfectant. Yeah, so, if okay. not, I mean, vinegar is still good enough to clean. Exactly. Yeah. It'll but it'll good. smell nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you had some questions. We talked earlier in the week and you had a few things that were cooking. Yeah. Well, first, I think it would be good if we talked about troubleshooting dictation. What if it right. doesn't work very well? Right. Okay. This was interesting because this question came while I was in Europe. I got a question from somebody who um, who said it's not really working. I'm actually going to pull up some notes because I was kind of making some notes. And then I one of my pre-recorded things was on dictation. So I contacted her and said, hey, listen, that wasn't my response to your question. I just wanted you to know that I, cause it wasn't really a troubleshooting kind of, um, kind of question. So, okay. So if I'm saying this incorrectly, um, please let me know, but it seems to me that she was doing dictation, but her, her child was a visual learner and she was finding it frustrating to, to do dictation. The child was finding it frustrating, didn't enjoy doing dictation, uh, but did enjoy copy work. Is that accurate from the questions? Cause I don't have them in front of me. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's what you said. So I think that, so one of the sort of comments that she had made about her questions was if I'm doing copy work, is that, a, you know, is that a bad thing? Is that a negative thing? And the thing is the way she was describing it is that copy work was, she was using copy work in with a very dictation mindset, right? Where she wasn't just putting a piece of uh, a piece of writing in front of her child and having them copy it uh, visually down, which I mean, there, I think a small amount of skill can be gained from that. I just think you, you get so much more out of kind of milking, uh, a piece of literature or a piece of writing with dictation, right? There's so much opportunity for, for teaching in a very short, um, short space. But if you're using copy work, if you have a visual learner and they like that and they like seeing that, uh, I think that's a great idea. Why not just take, um, you know, I would even think make something of that. Say for example, um, uh, you were doing a poem that you could even print it out in a really nice font. Maybe it was going to take you a week or whatever to go through this poem or longer, uh, that print it out in a really nice font, make it really visually pleasing and, and put that up and say, okay, let's do two lines today. And let's talk about this as we're doing them. And when we've done the line, maybe if you want to check it off, you could check off that line, you know, and kind of really bring that into your dictation experience, right? Because I think that in a sense, say, Say, for example, your child wasn't liking dictation, you know, the auditory part of it, they, they wanted something to look at or they wanted something to do. You could also use something like a, a piece of art, okay? Maybe they have a, a, a favorite piece of art or maybe there's even children's art like uh, Tommy Di Paola that you could have a piece of art sitting in front of you and you could say, let's talk about this, right? Let's talk about this work of art. And that could start to be your, your dictation, or maybe, I don't know, I'm just thinking of a science project, maybe you incubate eggs, right? And, and you have a picture of a, an egg, like where you can see inside the egg, right? And, and you're learning about this as you incubate eggs, or maybe you're just learning about it without incubating eggs. And you're, you're looking at that and you could say, Hey, you know, we could, what are some words that you think of when you're looking at this thing, this piece of art, this picture of a chicken inside an egg, this 
um, this invention of Leonardo da Vinci's whatever. What are some words that come to mind? And that could start to be part of your dictation, right? So let's really work with what our kids are interested in. Now, eventually, I think it's a really good skill to learn to listen to something and to be able to write it down. I think that's an important skill, but we don't have to be drilling that into them when they're six or eight or 10 even. At some point, I think it's a good skill because our world is set up, you know, when you go off to university and college, there's a lot of auditory learning that needs to happen. So it's a muscle we should be, uh, we should be um, exercising, but absolutely take in something or, or maybe there's something interesting that, that, uh, you know, that we were just talking about drinking glasses before we started recording, you know, you put a a drinking glass in front of them and say, what are some words to describe? I just hit my wine glass. Did you hear that? Isn't that beautiful? (laughs) Um, You know, describe this. Is it round? Is it empty? Is it, does it have something in it? Does it have, uh, what's the bottom look like? Is it, um, is it clear? Is it colored? You know, what are some words we could use to describe this glass? Or what's the sound that it makes when Bonnie hits it with her pen? <laughs> you know, let, and so we could bring in a lot just by the world around us. You know, whether your child is a visual learner or a tactile learner uh, or an auditory learner, there's many ways that we could approach that. Right. So I think that we just need to really be thinking about what is our child interested in? If they're hating this, uh, how can I start to build this habit of of listening, writing? Because the thing about dictation is it pulls in all the senses. Right. You're listening. You're looking. You're hearing. You're speaking. You're tactile. You're writing. Uh, you know, so we're, we're using all the senses. So let's what can we do to to build that skill in our child of using all the senses for this particular exercise. Those are some ideas for troubleshooting how you could get past this. And because in the past I've said, yeah, copy works, not really, um, I didn't find it of particular value. Uh, that doesn't mean if you use it with a, a dictation mindset, it has no value because I think it has lots of value. And I think copy work has a small amount of value, right? But if you're just going to just put it in front of the child, I think there's just so much more you could do with it. And it sounds like to me, that sounds like this mom is, is uh, absolutely doing that again. You know, I was thinking about something that uh, another sort of aspect of dictation, say you were teaching somebody English as a second language, right? One of the things years ago, I had somebody who had taught ESL quite a bit. And they said, the thing that we need to learn the most when we're learning a second language is actually adjectives right? We need descriptive words because if we don't know the word for something, at least we can describe it. And I thought it was really interesting. So learn the colors, learn the shapes, learn long, learn low, learn learn words that are descriptive. I thought that was really neat. And that might be something where we would see, okay, if you gave somebody who English was not their first language, a piece of copy work, they might that might have some value to it, depending on the level of their English, but it might be way more valuable to put a picture in front of them or an object in front of them and say, let's describe this, right? You know, how do you say round in your language? How do you say empty? Uh, oh, okay, this is the English word for that. And I, I, I just think there would be a lot of value in that, even if it was an adult that you were teaching, right? Yeah, does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Well, I was just thinking, so um, one one book that we utilize um, is the language lessons. So we're currently working through intermediate language lessons. I really like them because coupled with the the knowledge that I gained from you, (laughs) also lacking the confidence to do so by myself at times, these books 
because they talk about dictation and they they kind of cover things that your experience, you know, kind of without question, but me still kind of early on in homeschooling, you know, I forget about teaching an outline, right, to my 11-year-old. Right. And so it kind of helps that. So we've been lurking, working on outlines and um, describing, like, my 8-year-old today had to form a couple paragraphs where he invents a story about a fruit stand. Right. So he had to share the location of the fruit stand, who owns the fruit stand, you know, what fruits are sold, and then also what he had to have a paragraph about fruit loss, right? So, you know, I explained to him that could be something like, they didn't have oranges because of an infestation of, you know, Japanese beetles. You know, I, right. I don't know if that's what will. But, you know, it, it was interesting to me and helpful as a guide, you know, to help my son, um, which I'm sure this is something that, you know, you could have pulled out of thin air to do, but it was helpful but for you know, me. Yeah. And you know something, Elizabeth, like, like you learn skills along the way in various ways. And, and to me, you just have to collect ideas because a lot of what I do was collecting ideas and just pulling ideas out as they were required. Or if somebody asked me a question that, oh yeah, somebody once told me that this really worked for their kid. I may, may or may not have been able to pull that out. But the fact is the more ideas you can collect, the more you have, the more tools you have at your disposal, right? So I think that that's really, really important to, to just, be willing to collect ideas. And even if it doesn't work for this kid, then you might come back and think, oh, wow, okay, I could use that right now with with this other kid, right? Mm-hmm. To, to that effect, since I, 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 you know, have three boys, 11, 8, and 6. My 11-year-old, we did um, 100 Easy Lessons to Read. Uh, I'm sure you've heard of that book. Yes. My 8-year-old, that wasn't going to fly for him. So we did this very simple phonics program and he caught on to reading so fast. And so I thought, this is the way to go now. And so with my now six-year-old, I thought, well, we're going to do that. And it didn't really work very well for him. So now we're doing the hundred easy lessons again for him Yeah, and he's doing great. And so it's just so interesting to me how, you know, you can have all these kids from the same parents, same family, but personalities and learning experience, you know, differ. And being yeah. able to have enough, you know, kind of to pull tools to pull from to know, okay, this doesn't yeah. work for you, so let's try this, is just really great. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. And I mean, in my own family, I had like, I have seven kids. The one who read the earliest, she was a fluent reader at three and a half. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> the other one wasn't a fluent, like on the other end, yeah. he wasn't a fluent reader till he was 12. Yeah. Right now he could sound out words, but he couldn't put it all together. He just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, most of them were kind of average, but on the two extremes, yeah. that's what I was dealing with. Yeah. Right. And I couldn't have stopped her from reading mm-hmm. prior to, you know, like she just wanted, she just was, her brain was wired that way. And I couldn't have forced him to learn to read. It couldn't, it wasn't possible. And so, you know, we just have to be okay with where they're at, which is, you know, why I think one of the real blessings of homeschooling that we can just ride those, uh, those both challenges and 
uh, and gifts and they all have them. They all have challenges and they all have gifts, right? And so, you know, we can work with those so closely, which is a beautiful thing. Just yeah. a random question now. How do you know when to push your child and when to kind of sit back and, and wait for them to be ready? Because I found um, for one of my children in the past falls to pieces pretty easily about things. He get, he's, it's like, I don't know if right. it's an OCD or, you know, a need to be perfect with something. But if I push him too far, it's right. anger. It's I can't do it. It's tears. And so now it's like when I go to approach right. things, you know, like, let's say an outline, you know, it's like I'm like nervous i'm over explaining things i'm like looking at him waiting for a breakdown to happen and then like today right. he did it no problem he he did get upset at one point and i said okay well i really want you to do this you can either take a break and do it you know in 20 minutes or we can come back to this tomorrow yeah. and i will be there to help you and he was like we'll do it tomorrow and i said okay you know, but it's like, how do you know when to push your kid and when to just yeah. yeah, well, I think you answered your own question in a sense, because a lot of times if I sensed my child was getting frustrated, that's exactly what I do is pose a question. You know, this is frustrating right now. So what would you like to do? Right here? Here are some options. And I think that that's a real gift that we can give our kids where we can say, um, you know, I sense that you're feeling frustrated. I respect that. Sometimes it's hard to learn a new thing. And, and what would you like to do here? Right. And, and then gives them some control over, over what they can do. It gives them an opportunity to reflect on, you know, what, what am I feeling, you know, frustrated about? And so what a great gift to give your child. So, so for me, that would, a lot of times that would be kind of feeling them out in that same way. You know, this sounds like it's a bit frustrating. And so, you know, there's, here's the ways we could manage this. I don't want to frustrate you. So for me, I wasn't afraid of tears. I wasn't afraid of meltdowns, but I also don't think we learn in that environment. And so to just acknowledge that, you know, we're, we're, we're getting to that, you know, being sensitive to your child and that's working closely with them is really helpful in that way. Right. Instead of them, you know, working on a worksheet and they're getting frustrated and they, you know, end up in tears because they think they have to go off and do it by themselves. Right. You know, when we're working closely with them for shorter periods of time, we can really sense when they're frustrated or give them an opportunity to say, I hate this or whatever they're, whatever they're feeling and to say, okay, well, you know, what do you think that's about? Right. And giving them opportunity to both express that and to change up how you, how you do it, including, and many times saying, um, yeah, let's just, let's just pack this in for today. Cause I, I don't think you learn when you're frustrated you know, and I don't think anyone learns when they're frustrated. So it's just a really good policy to, to be sensitive to and respectful of the frustration. Like I'm not a pusher. I don't push. Right. And so if, if I sense that they're, if I'm encouraging them uh, and I sense that they're, they're getting to that point, I just back right off. It's I just completely back off. And, and my kids are all really academic. It's not, you know, but they weren't pushed academically in that sense. Right. They were, they were given the freedom to absorb it as they could. Another thing that I think is is probably uh, timely to, to put in right now is modeling that, say, for example, if you sensed he was frustrated about doing an outline, that if you said to him, okay, I'll tell you what, 
I'm going to, I'm going to show you how I would do an outline and you take a paragraph and you know, you develop your outline either from the paragraph or from your brain. Like say I wanted to do an outline on why I like dogs. What I'm going to do is put in, uh, you know, first of all, my opening sentence is going to be uh, about dogs, introducing dogs, then put in why dogs make good pets, why dogs are um, uh, fun for me, what kinds of activities I can do with dogs. And I, and I write the outline. So this is what I do when I'm making an outline that way, when I go to write the paragraph, oh, it's easy for me to just write the paragraph. So depending on the child, some kids are just much more um, uh, precocious. Some kids are much more tentative. So if they watch, you've heard me talk about long division. I, I taught all my kids long division by just saying, okay, I'm going to show you this thing has a lot of steps to it, but I'm just going to show you. For So for some kids, and I would say, here's, what, here's how long division works. And here's what I'm trying to do. Uh, so I, here's how I do it. And for some kids, after I'd done it two or three times, they would say, oh, okay, uh, can I try? And some kids would have to watch me 10 or 12 times. And then I would ask a question, okay, what do you think I do next? Right? So I'm, I'm encouraging them. I'm bringing them along uh, for the precocious ones. I'm saying, yeah, go for it. You know, what do you think you do next? And, and do you want me to stop you if I think you're making a mistake? Or would you like to just make the mistake? Right? So it depends on the kids. So that, that modeling is really a powerful tool. Right? Okay. I think, Part of my, uh, I guess, problem is growing up from parents or teachers, I would get the, well, I'm not going to give you the answer. Right. You know, and so it seems you're kind of saying the opposite. I'm not really going to give you the answer, but this is what I would do in a similar instance. Right. You know, like you're saying modeling. And I, I love that. So that won't hinder their learning. That'll help it. I think so. And the thing is, like, why, to me, whenever we take a, a situation like uh, we're trying to teach them something new, that it doesn't, when we, when we expect them to know an answer to something they haven't learned yet, it's like a test, right? And so the, suddenly there's a pressure on that's just unnecessary. If, you know, let's, let, let's do a ridiculous uh, circumstance, but I think it's, it's worth exploring. Say we're trying to potty train our child. And say we never took them into the bathroom with us and, and we want to potty train them. And we took them into the bathroom and we said, okay, there's the toilet. What do you think you do? Oh, gosh. Right? It was, it was ridiculous, right? Yeah. We would never do that. Well, right? I, love, I love how ridiculous it is because what mom or dad can go into the bathroom without being oh, followed? <laughs> you know, and so they see you use the bathroom. They see dad use the bathroom. They see them use the toilet. They see him wash their hands. They, they see all this stuff. And then one day we start saying, you know, would you like to start using the toilet? Sometimes they're precocious. I want to, I don't want to wear diapers anymore. Sometimes they're tentative. Mm, no, that looks scary. Okay. Well, you know what? You can get a little size toilet. I, I have a little size toilet in the closet and you can come and use it, but we would never test them. Right. We would model, we would explore, we would be playful. Right. And that's just so, so important when we're, when we're teaching them and we forget that we forget that there's so many things we taught them till this point where we modeled, we explained, we showed them, we, we explored it in a fun way with them. We spent time just, you know, looking at the potty, like a lot of times toddlers, you know, you just put the potty out there, you know, they're not ready at all. Uh, but you just put it out there, right? So it's it's not an unfamiliar object when the time actually comes. Right. 
Yeah. I don't know if that analogy was just funnier because I've had a margarita or if it's really <laughs> just that funny. <laughs> it's probably just funny. <laughs> Sometimes uh, I'm like eight years old. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. So anything else along that, uh, on that, um, line of things? No, I, I don't know if you'd want, um, kind of to switch to a completely different topic or save it for another time. Yeah, let's, why don't we switch it up? Okay. I think we've explored this long. I think we've gone potty talk long enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly right. Okay, well, since it's now the new year, and I, I don't know about other homeschooling families, but I personally kind of rethink and figure out, you know, okay, the next six months, what are my plans for our homeschooling? And so right, right now right. I feel very disorganized and I'm wondering if you could talk about that much. Um, you know, I, I know you have mentioned in the past, you don't really like, you know, like schedules, you know, you kind of like to flow a little yeah. bit more. Maybe if we could just hearken back maybe to, I'm sure first season at least where you kind of, if you can briefly talk about, kind of how you organize and, and without having an actual schedule, schedule, you know, your day. Yeah. So for, for me, what I'll do is, is we'll try and pop a couple of previous episodes in the show notes so that we can, you know, get a sort of a fuller picture of this. But, but our day was always kind of, everybody knew what to expect right? So without it ever being a schedule, we had sort of blocks of time. I do my one-on-one -on -one work with each kid in, uh, in the morning. We read together at breakfast. We read together at lunch. And when I'm done one-on-one -on -one work, um, they're kind of done for the day, right? The older kids might have things that they work on on their own. So they might do that while I'm doing one-on-one -on -one with their younger siblings, or, you know, they can work that out. I feel like by the time a kid is, you know, some kids 10, some kids 14, if they want to do it at four in the afternoon and take a break for two hours in the middle of the day, that I'm okay with that. I don't have a problem as long as they are doing what they said they would do that. I think we need to create space for them to have freedom to choose. Like, like when they get into high school to choose what their courses are and that sort of thing that we, we have to start letting go of the reins and letting them take control of their own education. I think it's really important, but, but my kids always knew what to expect. So we're going to read together at breakfast. So breakfast might be at seven 30, but it might be at 8.30 or 9, sort of depending on how late we were up the night before or, or how things would roll out. But they knew that we were going to sit down together and I was going to read to them over breakfast. And then I was going to do one-on-one. -on -one. I usually started from the youngest to the oldest. But again, that was some, you know, fluid to some degree. Like I might have somebody who says, um, oh, I really want to finish early today because I'm supposed to go over and play with so-and-so. So, -and -so. so can, is it okay if I do my dictation first? Well, sure. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. You know, so a lot of it was was discussion. But breaking my day into big blocks of time. Like we do schoolwork in the morning. I read to you at breakfast. We do schoolwork in the morning. Primarily we read together again at lunch. And in the afternoon is when I would get my housework done. I never tried to get housework done. while I had that block in the morning where I was doing schoolwork. I, I mean, I would always throw a load of laundry in before I started schoolwork. Like in the very beginning of my day, I always started with laundry because it's just so hard to keep on top of laundry, right? And then I could fold it or whatever in the afternoon. Then I knew I had free time in the afternoon where I could get my housework done. But it was counterintuitive to me to try and get housework done or my own things done 
while my kids were doing their schoolwork. Because if I don't really invest and make this an important part of the day, uh, then A, they're going to not see it as important, right? But also, like, I'm going to give it my all, you know, for this few hours. But also, then I don't feel like I've got all this stuff hanging over my head in the afternoon that I haven't finished yet either. And I didn't get everything done every day. If I didn't get it done, well, that was okay. I'm going to get it done tomorrow. But the afternoons were essentially free then. And then I could sort of plot out my day. I also break down my house into areas, like certain things you have to do every day, you know, your dishes or dinner or whatever. But I broke my house down into areas. That was a fly lady skill I learned. So that, you know, on Mondays, I would do a tidy in the upstairs bedrooms. On Tuesdays, I would do my foyer in my front porch uh, and my school desk. On Wednesdays, I would do my kitchen. I still do. I still operate this way. Um, I would do my kitchen. It just meant I would do the cleaning that I don't normally get to. But it would, I would make sure I would get to it once a week because I would have this little 15-minute slot. And if there was the odd week or two that got missed for whatever reason, sickness or whatever... It didn't really matter because it was something I was keeping on top of all the time. And so in terms of just general ordering of one's day, that was a kind of how our our day rolled out, right? I know some people had great success about putting things on a whiteboard or, or a chalkboard or whatever that, you know, so the kids kind of learn what to expect. Um, but that's sort of, in my mind, almost more habit building than anything else. Um, I'm not sure if what you're meaning is, in terms of feeling disorganized, like what what do I want to looking to the next month or two months or three months or however long until the school year's over, what do I want to actually accomplish? So I'm not sure which if you meaning both or, or one of the one or the other. More specifically in terms of, um, I guess we'll say curriculum, but maybe we could save that for another episode because now I'm very invested in <laughs> The, the <laughs> home organization, because That's this good. is something that I struggle with. Like, yeah. since I kind of hate New Year's resolutions because I think at any point of the year, you can make a decision mm-hmm. to better yourself or better your, you know, your family life, yeah. whatnot. But with that being said, I did come up with some things that I wanted to do beginning this new year, such things as like, clean house before I go to bed instead of just taking the, well, I'm a tired mom. I'm going to relax in front of the TV and, you know, snack. Right. So I'm really trying to do as much cleaning as I can beforehand. However, (laughs) my family dynamic is my older children are boys and they've been my children since Mm -hmm. birth. Right. And they still have not caught on to the fact that they have chores and expectations. I am still every single day reminding them, please take your dishes over. If the dishwasher needs to be unloaded, unload it and start loading. Like these are chores. It's not that I won't unload the dishwasher. Right. But it's like when you've got a family of seven, you know, you're all helping each other out. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like I reset the house in the evening and by 10 o'clock the next morning, it is a disaster. (laughs) And, you know, it's like, that's with, okay, you know, a specific breakfast that's, you know, this, that, or the other. And I don't know how it happens. I've been, so anyway, I'm at a loss because I'm the type that I, yeah. I can't even function if I know that the kitchen is a mess and you know, like toys kind of all over is, yeah. is not a huge deal, but it's like 
food on the floor and this, that, and the other that's just dirt irks me. Yeah. And so, like, I hear you say yeah. that you won't, you yeah. don't do chores in the morning. The focus is homeschooling. And I feel kind of the opposite. It's like, I can't even think yeah. and help and, you know, sit with my children, you know, when there's still dishes on the table and it needs to be done. Right. Now, yeah, let me clarify because I, I can see where that might sound crazy, but we clean up after each meal. So, so I go to bed and, you know, try to go to bed and sometimes, you know, seasons of life, you going to bed with clean house wasn't an option. Uh, but, for, you know, for the most part, that was the goal. But we, after breakfast, I would just say to everybody, and I would switch it up every day. You push the chairs in, you sweep under the table, you take all the dishes to the counter, you know, you whatever, whatever. And, um, and they might not get loaded in the dishwasher at that moment. Or when I had older kids, I might say, okay, can you quickly throw those in the dishwasher? Can you wipe the table? You know, so the more kids you have, the more you can bust up the little jobs into, into small segments so that they can, can each help so that now we can actually get on with our day, but the kitchen area is tidied up, right? Um, something that is really helpful in that regard was, uh, was having like a dish tub so that you, that all the dishes actually get scraped and then they go into a tub so that at least the counter looks tidy, even if the dishes aren't loaded in the dishwasher, right? I've actually even known people who've cleared out space under their sink and put their laundry basket or their dish tub or whatever full of dirty dishes under the sink. So they're out of sight and then everything gets loaded in the dishwasher, you know, say after schoolwork is done or whatever, right? Or after lunch or, or whatever at some convenient time. But then you're not, they're not bothering you. What's that? Right. So that could even be something like loading up, you know, your bigger half of your sink with water. Exactly. You know? Okay. Put all the sticky dishes in there yeah. or whatever, you know, so we would do, but we, it would be like literally a three, four, five minute tidy up because everybody's doing one small job. Right. Plus I just think it was good formation for them to like, okay, this is what we do. You know, everybody does a certain thing. And so, and so then, you know, the kitchen area is relatively tidy while we go off and do our, you know, our sit down work and our schoolwork. And then the same thing after lunch. So I'm not thinking so much about the kitchen and the dishes. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, what I'm saying in the afternoon is when I do chores, I'm thinking about my, my area of my house that I do my, you know, folding my laundry, whatever, you know, those things. And that might vary from day to day. So in the morning, I'm going to write that down on my list, like, you know, fold the laundry or, or, uh, wipe down the downstairs bathroom or, or whatever, you know, so much easier to kind of break that down into, into little chunks than, than have it sort of hanging over your head sort of thing, right? Um, I think one of the things, you've heard me say this before, but I think one of the things that makes life really a lot easier is actually just just having a lot of less stuff too, you know? And I mean, again, that, you know, I mean, I know you, I, I don't think you're somebody who's, you know, your life is cluttered with things, right? Sometimes even just putting away half the toys, right, is is just okay, every, every couple of weeks, I'll, you know, swap it out. I'll just put a garbage bag of toys, you know, in my closet or in my um, garage or whatever, and then switch that up every couple of weeks. Um, you know, it's just visually cutting out all that visual clutter uh, is, is really helpful. You know, and I mean, you're, you're at a point in your life, sort of, you know, and lots of our listeners have kind of kids in your age range, but I think we have to be clear with our kids about, you know, I'm, I'm going crazy here. And I'm feeling like, you know, that life is in a crisis all the time. And I feel like we just need to help each other more. And so I'm just going to give you these really little jobs, right, to do. 
Um, you know, and so when we, after we have lunch, I'm going to ask you to just move that your job is going to be to move the dishes to the counter. Your job is going to be to wipe the table. You know, you have two or three kids that could do a little job, right? Push the chairs in, whatever, whatever the job is. Like I always had a checklist for my kids of the things that they needed to get done, whether it was what I did with them or what they did themselves. But as they got older, you know, there was more things on the checklist. Their chore always went on there or chores always went on that list their schoolwork wasn't done until that chore was also done. You know, that was just helpful, a visual reminder. Like I would say, are you done all your stuff? Uh, yeah, I think so. We'll go look at your list. Oh, right. Yeah, I haven't, uh, you know, matched the socks yet. So that was helpful. And that could be something, you know, I mean, chores can roll out lots of different ways. You can have a different job that they do each day. But I, I think one of the keys to having them successfully comply with your wishes is to keep the jobs really short right? And they can gain traction as they get older too, you know, but if it's a new habit, like maybe an 11 year old could do 20 minutes or 30 minutes of chores in a day or whatever, whatever amount you you see fit, but it's going to be hard to start there, right? The same when we do dictation, you're building a foundation, start with just a five minute, here's a really specific thing I need you to do, right? On Mondays, it's this, on Tuesdays, it's this, or maybe every day it's, um, you know, sweep up around the fireplace or whatever, right? I, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this, which is fine. But um, my my 11 and 8-year-old's jobs are to together unload and load the dishwasher. Now, my 11-year-old wants to do everything by himself because he does not like when people mess up his plan for things. So this has been a real struggle. So, like, he'll do things like, I'll unload it, and then you load it, right? And so it's, okay, if that's what you guys want to work out, that's fine. So, anyway, there's this one morning. I don't know if my 11-year-old was still sleeping or what, but I asked my 8-year-old, like, please unload the dishwasher, you know, like, and that was it. And he was so mad. I hate this. I wish we didn't have a dishwasher. And I said... At one point, we didn't have a dishwasher, and it would take me an hour to wash, you know, the dishes for, and that was when there was only five of us. And he was like, I'd rather hand wash all the dishes. And I said, well, that's fine then. So he finished unloading the dishwasher, and I said, well, now you have to hand wash them. No, I don't. And I said, well, you said that you would rather hand wash dishes. So in order to really know if that's how you feel, you have to hand wash at least five. And he was like, what? No. And I said, yes, you have to do this now. (laughs) And so he did it. And and I don't know if he ended up hating it at the end, but it was like, when my kids make these like extreme, like, you know, this is, this is how I feel. It's like, right. okay, well, if you're going to make this case, you have to now prove it to me. <laughs> so, I mean, that could be really terrible parenting, but I haven't had any issues with him since. <laughs> yeah. Well, not necessarily. I, I, I mean, it depends if you're, if you're, you know, being grumpy over him and say, okay, fine, go out. You know, if you're just saying it, matter of fact, I mean, I think a lot of things, yeah. If we just say them in a matter-of-fact way, it's good parenting, right? If we keep not yeah. losing our cool, it's if we're freaking out on them, right? You know, um, or making it a, a punishment in the, in the sense that, okay, fine, you say you're going to do that, then you're going to have to do this. You know what I mean? Like we, we it's the way we approach it. Yeah. Uh, is, oh no, is, mine was all. Mine was all in good fun. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, it was and, like and forceful good fun. You watch right. five dishes. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> We're not doing it that way. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I, I think that often 
what what we're actually doing with our kids is the same. It's just the tone in which we approach it, right? Right. Yeah. 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 I'm going to mention this because we're probably just about ready to wrap up, but uh, we thought that um, for the future, we like sort of doing some in the next you know month or so, doing an episode on on sort of preteens and and how to how to work with that changing nature of things is would be a, a good episode to do. Um, you know, and, and my theme for this particular season is fun. And I think that, that uh, you'll hear me using that over. I mean, I do anyways, but, but uh, really focusing on, on how do we, everything in life doesn't have to be fun, but we should find fun where we can. And I think that not everybody, because I'm highly motivated by fun, I, I'm always looking for fun, but not everybody is motivated the same way. And so, you know, maybe they're motivated by efficiency or, or whatever. Uh, so how do we sort of find the fun? How do we inject more fun into our life? So I think that that would be a really, a really cool thing to do, sort of talking about preteens and young teenagers as well. A lot of our listeners are, are you know, heading into those years. So Yeah, I'm all for it. My oldest <laughs> is motivated by fun. So right. <laughs> I could use all the help I can get. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Elizabeth. That was really awesome. And um, we will probably see you in the next week or so. Yeah, it was great to be back at yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel like I'm back in the sun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, God bless. Good night. Bye.